ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Hello, hello. Let me tell you what it's like to be a zero, zero. Let me show you what it's like to always feel, feel. Like I'm empty and there's nothing really real, real. I'm looking for a way out. Hello, hello. Let me tell you what it's like to be a zero, zero. Let me show you what it's like to never feel, feel. Like I'm good enough for anything that's real, real. I'm looking for a way out. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It's been 2,923 days since South Carolina last beat Clemson. It's been 1,103 days since South Carolina last scored a touchdown on Clemson. It's been 732 days since South Carolina scored a point on Clemson. Clemson is 9-3, and and life is good. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are the Clemson Podcast, and this is your South Carolina game recap show. 30 to nothing, Ben. Pretty good win. Damn good math you had there. Really a lot of numbers. Jeez. Really puts things in perspective. Um, yeah, you know, that was the kind of beat down over South Carolina that really makes any season feel like a huge success, uh, to be to be honest with you. I know that based on our expectations coming in, I guess you technically would not call it a success. But um, after we saw us kind of drop to our lowest point um, and you got a feel for who this team was and the things they were going to struggle with this year, um, I would have to say 9-3 at this point is kind of a big success in my book. Uh, all three losses to now ranked teams, uh, including the number one team in the country, lost by seven points. Um, so I, I, I call it a success. You know, we can't – not every season could be 15-0. Yeah, it's true. Obviously, expectations are a thing that can ebb and flow throughout the season. We've definitely had to reset ours throughout this year on the show and otherwise as fans – but it has been important. We've talked about this throughout this era of Clemson football and definitely throughout this season. You just got to have some perspective, kind of take a step back and look at what, what your favorite football team is able to accomplish. And a lot of good takeaways from this year. I think coming off of uh, the Georgia game and coming into this season, there were a lot of lofty expectations for Clemson, but um, some things didn't really pan out. We've obviously beaten that to death on this show and, you know, Ben, we'll, we'll eventually get in here to things like season awards. We might have to rename those. We'll have to see. But uh, just talking about, you know, this season and we're going to get some, you know, perspective and hindsight as we get removed from these last games here. But, um, you know, what I wanted to talk about and what we're here to do today is talk about this South Carolina game and um, 30 to nothing. Clemson was favored by 11 and a half, 12 points in this game. Um, definitely exceeded a lot of people's, you know, expectations for how this game would play out none other than you know no more so than for roman harper who's predicting a double digit south carolina win on the sec network i mean i think clemson fans had some pause and some caution coming into this one i don't think you or i did necessarily but you know you didn't really know what we saw against wake forest like was that going to be something that would hold up you know in a rival stadium clemson's had some struggles on the road offensively you just never know. And like, this was going to be the year that they were going to have the chance to come back, rise up and get Clemson. Uh, but that, that was not the case. Defense wasn't having it. And the offense did just enough in the run game, you know, to keep this, keep this one nowhere near close. 
And that was that was people's opinions uh, based off of just looking at Clemson's season. I didn't feel that worried going into the game because I looked at South Carolina's season and looked at uh, their issues at quarterback. Yeah, they come off of uh, wins against uh, Florida and Auburn, both at home uh, within their three games prior to, to playing Clemson. But look at those teams. They're no good. They're in shambles. They're th- Those are teams that have gotten worse as the season has gone along. Meanwhile, Clemson has been getting better as the season has gone along. Um, and then you look at South Carolina's losses before that, and even their wins, a lot of close wins to some bad teams or like not great teams. So I really wasn't concerned. I knew our defense would, um, you know, set, uh, you know, set the pace in this game, and uh, they did. And it was very clear early on that South Carolina was have very little success moving the ball against this defense, and this offense did exactly what they had to do to win the game. They leaned on the run, uh, didn't have DJ pass that much. You know, he's got the um, the split on his finger that seems to be causing some accuracy issues. I know that he's had those all season, but um, I think some of these that we've seen are probably, um, uh, probably has something to do with that because we saw him get better as the season went along. And about the time he got that finger injury that they started going down a little bit, but there's also a lot of drop balls in this game by the wide receiver. So, um, but that aside, I think that the offensive game plan was clearly just run until they, they stop you and they didn't stop us. And, um, I thought both sides of the ball played a solid game. And at the end of the day, you can't complain about a 30, nothing win over your rival in, in, in Columbia. Definitely agree with you that some of those fears and doubts were more based on Clemson's track record. Uh, Shane Beamer, first year as a coach, I think a six and six season for South Carolina, like that is a success for them. But you just saw how far away they are from Clemson and how far away they are from getting back to the days of, you know, 10, 11 win seasons under, under Spurrier. Is he the guy that can do it? He may be able to do that. He may be able to get them there. It is going to take some time to rebuild after the must champ era. And I just don't know if Shane Beamer is going to be around that long to see that happen. Well, who knows? He could be at Oklahoma next week, um, which would be, <laughs> oh, that, that would be so poetic, you know? Well, it's fun. Uh, I, I forget who I was. The history of South Carolina football. And, you know, the thing is, and I yeah. have to admit it, like, because he's the Gamecock coach right now, but I like Shane Beamer. He seems like a, 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 a nice guy. He has a sense of humor. He's very, you know, He's very charismatic. Like, yeah, he's charismatic. Right. He's opposite of what Will Munch Muschamp was. You know, Sprayer before that, you had to like him just because, you know, he has these snarky comments and things that he does. He has a wit about him and he's a really damn good football coach. Yeah, he's not a very likable guy if he's not your football coach. You got to respect him. Um, but I thought it was a smart move. Uh, he very much echoes Dabo in his kind of personality traits and in his charisma that you mentioned. Um, and that's part of what uh, draws me to liking him. But, um, I like the way he handles himself. I like the way he talks in the media. Um, and he seems to be a genuine guy as, as far as that's concerned. Now, how long he stays at South Carolina. If he has success at South Carolina, then he's going to qu- be quickly moving somewhere else. Spurrier was at South Carolina to finish his career, right? He wasn't going anywhere after that. Beamer is on the way, you know, is still on the rise. And we'll see where that ceiling is for him. It could be at South Carolina, where he could find some moderate success there and another team's going to poach him. But, um, yeah, I mean... I like the guy Dabo likes him close to the family. Um, and Hey, we we're saying his name right now. Shane, Shane. <laughs> I like yes. his dad too. Frank was cool. Absolutely. And 
if he chose to just make a career out of staying at South Carolina, like he could build that thing to an interesting program over time. They are going to always have to play Clemson and Georgia, you know, until either until something changes in college football, which I, I think they're going to be playing Clemson and Georgia for the foreseeable. And then they've got, you know, other programs in the SEC East that are, you know, a lot better positioned than them to be recruiting and hiring coaches at a higher level, all of that. So, well, you think about the recruiting uh, grounds that they have and, 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 and with whom the, those grounds overlap with, right. You got Georgia, you got Clemson, you got the North Carolina schools, you got Florida, Alabama, and Ohio state are going everywhere. Like they're just in such a bad position um, recruiting wise that, you know, they may get the best of the best in the state of South Carolina, but the talent pool generally isn't that great when you compare to the other, other states in the region. Um, and they don't have necessarily a national poll like, like Clemson and some of the other teams do. Um, or, or Clemson's starting to get, you know. Um, That's so- why, like for them to do it, and this is not a South Carolina podcast, we'll move off them in a minute here, but uh, like they just have to, they have such a low margin of error for things like coordinator hires, uh, player development, recruiting, like all that, like they pretty much need it, knock it out of the park with, with the guys they bring in and with the recruiters doing the job and with the coaches developing them and calling scheme that, you know, and who knows, Beamer might be a great talent evaluator head coach who brings in the right coordinators to get that done. I think what's most likely been is what you alluded to is maybe he does take them from six wins to like eight wins, nine wins, nine. potentially nine wins. And like, then, then I think he will get poached by, I'm sure there'll be a turnstile at Tennessee soon enough. Like one of those kind of schools will probably, you know, come in and get him. Yeah. Um, so especially if they win like nine games, they have a couple big wins over ranked opponents, whether in the uh, SEC or against Clemson. Um, so I, I kind of compare it to Clemson basketball, right? Clemson basketball is in the ACC for, uh, it's not a basketball school, but they're in a basketball conference and you have two options, right? You keep going after young guys, hoping some guy, sticks and you know you catch lightning in a bottle um but you're clemson so they're gonna move on right if they're a hot commodity they're gonna go for bigger and better things um or you get a guy like brunell who is a good you know solid basketball coach uh everybody likes him runs a clean program and has occasional success at a school that is not has very little history of success in the sport so I think that's kind of what South Carolina faces, you know, the SEC being their equivalent of, uh, of the ACC in football. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, South Carolina fans seem to be a bit more patient than Clemson fans are. So, you know, who knows? They want, it, they want some excitement every once in a while. Muschamp brought them none of that. Let's see what Beamer can do. He got them six wins in bowl eligible this year. That's, you know. It's, it's a low bar there, but you know, that's. Yeah, Ben, and you just, you you just look no further than this game to see the disparity of talent between these teams. Uh, South Carolina on offense, not really able to get any type of reliable protection for their quarterback from a far superior, far bigger, far faster athlete on the Clemson D line. And, you know, the, in the blitz game, Um, I thought really on that side of the ball, um, the only real player that I thought could, you know, likely play for Clemson was wide receiver, Josh Mann. Um, he had a really solid season, put up over 600 yards receiving averaging like 16 yards a catch and had a pretty good game here against Clemson. Uh, you know, only four catches, but 38 yards. I mean, when they score zero points, you know, four catches for 38 yards, 
is just about, you know, that, that is a, a good effort, I guess, from a player against our team. Um, but yeah, just South Carolina on offense against our defense. And then um, they're just inability. Like if you're making RO line look really good and get a push, um, you know, and the O line has been improving. I shouldn't kind of go there too, but too deeply, but um, yeah, it's just a big time talent disparity across, across the board. And uh, they've, they've got a lot of work to do to restock the cupboards there. Uh, but yeah, just did want to take the opportunity to kind of give, give some plaudits to Josh van. Um, I'd also thought when they brought in Zeb Noland, like he did give them a little bit of a different look. I'm a little surprised Clemson didn't mash the blitz button. You know, that dude's pretty immobile and um, didn't seem like we got super aggressive at kind of chasing him around in the pocket um, as much as I thought we would have. Well, at that point in the game, we had some reserves in on the defensive side of the ball. So that may have changed things too. Um, but, and maybe when you do that, you tend to take less risk. You're trying to preserve the shutout. The younger guys may be more prone to error if you're taking those risks, whether otherwise you have them a little bit, be a little bit more conservative, have them sit back, keep things in front of them. And they did that. I could be honest with you, like watching it live, I didn't even realize Zeb Nolan came in and replaced Jason Brown. Um, we had the sound on the bar, but it's really hard to hear everything that goes on and follow it necessarily. Um, but yeah, it didn't make a difference to me. I mean, I guess it did seem like they started moving the ball somewhat, but I mean, he had a 4.4 average, Zeb did. Yeah, so. didn't light the world on fire coming in by any means, but I mean, he was uh, 11 for 22. I mean, better better percentage than DJ are just about the same. Even even um, the guys that we've competed with them against in, in recruiting, uh, Zach Pickens, um, Oh goodness. The other dude, Birch, uh, on yeah, defense, Birch. like mm-hmm. I saw nothing from them in this game. Yeah, that's true. They're pretty much non-factors in this game. So it, it's tough. And like, there are, um, you know, I, my mind goes to, okay, they, they chose South Carolina over Clemson. you got a guy like DeMarcus Bowman transferred to Florida, Dan Mullins out there, like, I know everyone's excited about Billy Napier. We'll, we'll get to the, all the coaching swirl coming around, but um, I, I just wonder if Birch was sitting there on that sideline, like looking across at Clemson and knowing that he probably would have gotten in, played a good amount this season. Um, just wondering kind of where, where his thought process is with that. His thought process is probably transfer portal. Yeah, it could be probably to a, a Georgia or Alabama. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, I mean, it's right, going to work, you know, it's not going to just be like uh, good teams like Clemson losing guys who aren't getting the starts. It's going to be starters on not great teams that want to go somewhere else uh, and compete to win a championship of, of some sort. Um, yeah, or get developed and showcase talent in a big way, yeah. um, you know, from from superior coordinators. We'll see. I mean, that was I think Muschamp would have suffered more from that than than maybe um, Beamer will just because of personality. Yeah, he's building the culture, right? So yeah. he may still have those guys like, look, I need you. You're you're the anchors of my culture here. You know, let's bring in better coaching for you, that kind of thing. We'll have to see. Now, now talking about the Clemson team, um, as I mentioned, this team has continued to get better as the, the year has gone along. Um, so just, just take a minute and reflect on that. Um, these kids played hard. They continued to give their best effort uh, game in and game out maybe you kind of side um 
but they they stuck with it. You heard no negativity around the program, just guys that continued to grind and stay positive, um, admit their mistakes, uh, know where they've gone wrong, and committed to, to build upon that and get better. And they have gotten better as the year has gone along. Now, we'll see what happens next year. Talk all you want about uh, DJ and, and Klubnik in the offseason and blah, blah, blah. Let's get Klubnik in here. Everybody thinks that like five-star freshman quarterbacks are going to come in here and look like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, I can almost guarantee you that's not the case. That was very unique, especially to have those two guys back to back. But DJ is going to get. Well, neither guy started. Season. Neither guy started at the beginning of their freshman year. Ben, like they certainly contributed and won some big games their freshman year. Trevor Lawrence won a title eventually, but he didn't blow Kelly Bryant out in fall camp. And yeah, in the Louisville game, they brought Trevor in. We were kind of scuffling. He didn't do well, and then Kelly Bryant came in and gave the team a spark, and we won the game. Um, so yeah, A&M. I mean, it's going to happen with these young quarterbacks or A&M. Sorry. Um, yep. it's going to happen with these young quarterbacks. DJ is going to be miles ahead in, in terms of the system, the nuances of college football and the things that he's already improved upon, including is going to have to come in and, and get caught up. So, um, I think DJ is going to grow from this season. Um, he's going to have better offensive line, uh, next year, the running backs, we've seen what they're capable of. The wide receivers should be improved, um, going into next year. So I expect a different and improve DJ and hell let's 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 see what we see in the bowl game right give him a month off we saw what happened to Cole Stout in a month just don't give up don't give up on the kid yet like it's not it's unfair because it wasn't just him this season it was the whole group the whole offensive group um, as a unit and each individual piece got a little bit better as the season went along you could maybe argue the wide receivers, but you know, in Gata and Lanson weren't lighting the world on fire at the beginning of the year. Neither was Justin Ross, although he came on and moved him outside uh, back outside of the boundary. Uh, but you've seen Bo Collins start to emerge. He's had some drops. He had some drops in this game. Um, Dakari has shown a lot of flash. So yeah, the whole I'm, unit's I don't better s- ne- next year. I'm not concerned too much at all about what we saw in this game from the, the passing game looking a little bit deficient. Uh, we got freshmen in there, right? At the, at the key receiver positions, right. EJ, EJ Williams was also yeah. not able to go in this one. Um, I, I think South Carolina's secondary is actually was the strength of their defense and the strength of their team. So uh, we did not seem to get much separation or any separation at all. They had some um, tight coverage, but there were several, yeah. there were at least four balls that should have been caught. Bo Collins uh, was, he had more of a freshman, a true freshman like game in this one that we haven't really seen much from him. Uh, this year, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of spectacular catches and great effort from him. Um, we didn't necessarily see that in this game. Some of the sh- throws could have been slightly better, but you know, th- there are those throws where you're like the wide receiver has to come down with that ball. Um, but he'll grow, he'll get better from it. We've seen his ability. I'm super excited. He's going to be our alpha receiver next year. And yeah, a lot of positives to take away. There's still a long way to go. I think what makes Clemson fans uncomfortable is the gap that we see between what we've been used to kind of over the past five, six years and what we saw this year. But there was growth. Um, there's still a lot of room for improvement. And if Klubnik does come in and win the starting job, then great. That means he's a really good quarterback and we'll probably be in pretty damn good shape next year. I think, Ben, I've kind of been thinking this kind of question over, this concept over. I think if Clemson had not suffered nearly, let's, let's call it, we had an average season in terms of injuries on offense and guys missing, missing starts, missing snaps. Um, 
and let's say we start the season in the first month of the year with an actual college football caliber center that, you know, playing for the team. And we didn't lose all those O-linemen to injury and transfer portal and that kind of thing throughout the year. Like I think if Clemson is dealing with a fuller, fuller hand and a fuller team, fuller roster, I think things look a lot different for this season in terms of certainly losses to NC state and Pitt, um, potentially even to Georgia, you know, if, uh, if we had a capable center being able to call out coverages and protections, you know, those milliseconds against that Georgia defensive line could have translated into enough to get Clemson into the end zone. And then that's a whole new ball game. And then I, I honestly believe that's a whole new season. I think there was a little bit of stuff. Go go ahead. Well, and that's the damnedest thing. Like, all the injuries too. We have not seen injuries to this level during this entire run um, that the Clemson's been on, even before that. Like this was a, a ridiculous amount of injuries that this team uh, succumbed to this season. And the fact that they still continue to get better as the season went along tells you a lot about the guys who stepped up, moved into those roles, and continued to help the team improve. We were fully stacked. Uh, at least as the offensive skill positions at the, at the beginning of the season, right? Stable running backs, all of our wide receivers available that were available coming into the season. Um, and they struggled offensive line woes aside. Uh, there's been injuries across the offensive line, you know, Mac Bach course, uh, Mason Trotter dealing with his, with his hand issue. Um, Hunter Aber and, was out. He was yeah. the big injury that we missed in Georgia and like later on. Yeah. Um, and and so September. Yeah. And so, those things kept snowballing and happening and, and new guys would, would come in and step up. It was in, in, in the offensive line case, it was um, guys who've been on the team, you know, Trotter and Rayburn um, on uh, the wide receiver position. It was Bo Collins, Dakari Collins, um, <laughs> Will Sweeney, Will Brown, man, Will Brown, <laughs> Will Brown, Will Sweeney. Um, and then at the running back position, we, we saw the, you know, the kind of cream rise to the top, um, partly through attrition, but also through, you know, their, their spectacular play. And it leaves us in a good spot moving forward in the next season, next season's offense with DJ at quarterback, with the guys we have at offensive line and the skill position players will be better than the offense this year. And I think they will be better by a good bit. I mean, agree with you. There's not much yeah. further to fall, but. Just reflecting on that too. I just think like there are a lot of world, there are a lot of angles to this in which Clemson season looks a lot better with, with some breaks going right in terms of the injury front. Now, you know, we, we kind of joke and rail against Dabo uh, talking about, Oh, we're one to two plays away from being undefeated. Uh, how many games, Ben, did we win on the last possession by holding the opposing team scoreless? I mean, Boston college, Louisville, we obviously lost to Pitt. We obviously lost to NC state. Um, yeah. And- Who am I missing? Syracuse. We needed a missed field goal. Like there were, I don't know, a handful of games that were one to two plays away from being not nine and three, but six and six or, you know, worse than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and our three losses are to be fair, not because of injuries. Um, it was because of the offense's inability to perform inability. They weren't gelling. Um, they weren't a cohesive unit at that point. You know, uh, the Justin Ross injury didn't come to after our last lots, which was the pit game. Um, he was, I think what you're, what you're suggesting Ben is like, we didn't have a key offensive playmaker out that would have been a difference maker. And therefore that's why we lost, but exactly. I think, I uh, think we lose those games regardless, uh, just because of the offensive performance, not because of injury. 
Um, but without the injuries, I think at this point in the season, we'd be dominating people more um, than, than we, than we have been. I mean, you think you look at the last, um, the last two games, uh, we handled Wake Forest, the top 10 team in the country at that point, we've beat South Carolina 30, nothing. Uh, we started putting up points, you know, after, you know, into the FSU and Louisville game, the offense started getting on a roll. So yeah, I, I think, um, the losses would have still been there. So I don't want to blame it on the injuries, but, um, I'm just very impressed with this team and how they've continued to improve what their record is now, how they played the last few games with all the injuries that have accumulated, over the entirety of the season. Yeah, I, I, I believe if we had had a more cohesive O-line unit, all the guys available, by the time Pitt had rolled around, I think we would have had a bit more of a, of a stronger offensive performance in that game. Maybe not at the NC State game, but perhaps by Pitt. Um, either way, though, I think it, we'll take this back to the South Carolina game. Great to see the running game continue to assert itself. Touchdowns for each of the lead running backs on this team. Will Shipley to start it out, Kobe Pace. Both of those guys had long, impressive runs, really enabled by excellent blocking, um, excellent line blocking from Clemson's team, getting into that second level, creating holes, and those guys hit those with burst. And again, like they're off to the races. They showcased their athleticism. Phil Maffa got in on an extended six-play drive. Um, after I think it was a turnover later in the game. Uh, so Mafa also got his really good showcase of the running back talent. And in this game, uh, Clemson had, you know, was just doing whatever they wanted on the ground. Yeah. The running backs have been the breath uh, of fresh air for this football team. Um, they've become really dependable and that's when there weren't holes there, right? They, they were, they were doing well. And then those holes started to open up. Um, I think part of it too, on the offense and with the run game is you've, you've seen, uh, a lot of the RPOs have been removed from the game plan the last few games. And for the offensive line, what that means is when it's a run play, they know it's a run play. They can just take off right and block and get a push. Um, so you take away that factor of them you know, having to run block, but also pass block. Um, so they don't get too far downfield. Uh, when you take that away, it simplifies their job. And that's when Clemson decided to lean on the run. And it coincides when um, DJ had his, um, his, uh, his PCL injury, and then also his finger injury. Um, so is that a coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, once Tony Elliott, to his credit, Tony Elliott and Dabba, once they started to see that run game start to be effective, um, they stuck with it. And we've had two great games on the ground um, in a row here. At 265 yards, Ben, 6.2 per carry. You know, very impressive. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think it was just you know the O-line gelling by this time of the season. Saw that against Wake last week and coming back, again, back in again here. Um, it does, like you made the point earlier, this sets up for success next season. Hopefully, uh, continue to bolster the depth. We've got, um, you know, really a couple of really good recruiting classes. We're going to start to see those guys. They're going to be ready for that, the starting roles and, you know, cycling in in terms of, um, terms of depth. You know, guys like Ryan Linthicum at center, Tristan Lay, we'll see where he slots in. Um, Jordan, Jordan McFadden is going to be coming back as well. So, and um, yeah, pe- freshman that was expected to get playing time this year. You look at the roster, there's a lot of guys on there that within the past three years there have been high four, five-star recruits on the offensive line. Um, 
it, it takes time for them. It takes development. And we've criticized Robbie Caldwell in his development of the offensive line. Now we still have to give him credit then for how they played better here towards the end of the year. And, you know, the decision on moving forward with the coaching position there is uh, between him and Dabo. And that's, you know, we'll have to trust that to work itself out. Um, and we don't know. Give, we don't know Ben if, no, I agree. Like he's, he's in charge of that unit and their production. We don't know the extent to which Thomas Austin is, you know, calling the shots behind that this season already. The thought is he's going to take over that position group whenever Caldwell does whatever he does. Um, but you can't argue with the results. And part of that is getting guys healthy. Part of that is also adjustments they've made. Uh, but we like what we see. And then I think part of the knocks earlier in the year are how, how few guys Clemson on the O-line is put into the league and how few like highly recruited guys come in. But, you know, you, you can point to all those things. They're true. And this season was tough. I think this season was tough, not because we don't have the talent, but because we didn't have the depth. We didn't have the numbers because there were, there were injuries and Paul Tio transfer. That was a little bit later in the season. Um, we, if we can keep these guys healthy coming up next year, I think you are going to start to see that talent caliber rise and show out. And I mean, Dabo and the coaching staff has gone out and they have recruited a couple of good offensive line classes in terms of high end talent. So I think there are guys like on this roster and on this team right now who could be the future Clemson guys to buck that trend and get into the league. And we could be in for a couple of seasons where that's a, a strength on this team instead of a huge liability. Um, I still think though, from a roster management perspective, this is an area where you just can never take too many high caliber or even, even project, but guys that do have a lot of ceiling and upside offensive linemen. Um, it's something that, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. If we happen to hit on Pennington lay and Linthicum, like, those guys are going to get out of here soon enough. Anyway, like you got to just continue to pack the roster. And that is an area where my, I'm hopeful that the transfer portal is going to be something that they do boost the numbers in that offensive lineman room. Well, Davo says he's sticking to his 15 guys. So um, if he's going to do that, then keep recruiting the way that you've been recruiting. Cause we have been bringing in good guys. We've been talking about it for two years now, um, starting with the rec- recruiting class that was coming in last year. Um, the one we had coming in in the 2022 class, but we've also given, you know, pause, like, remember it's going to take them a couple years to develop. So it was shocking that they were so bad this year because uh, the line wasn't great last year. Um, and you had returners, right? Guys that played last year, uh, Putnam played last year, Walker Parks played some last year, McFadden, Bockhorst, uh, Trotter, um, but th- there was a weak link, and I think that was obviously the center position. It, I'm kind of like curious now after seeing Rayburn play like pretty decently. I think that I don't know. It was weird he didn't start the season at center, and you have Bachhorst at left guard. Uh, he was hurt. Rayburn was hurt. Ben, like I think that's where I go back and say like if he had been the guy, if he had been healthy and capable. Um, but they didn't. They weren't he, trusting him. They were already like had Bockhorst in that role uh, through yeah. fall practice. They, you know, they they weren't liking what they saw out of him. But um, I don't know. He, he came in and that combination of him, Trotter, and putting him putting him coming back healthy. Um, he's in, he he was definitely better at the end of the season than he was at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think all in all, again on the offense, we're going to be improved next year. We'll see if any coaching changes 
happen. I'm not going to harp on those right now. I say we just enjoy the season, enjoy this win over South Carolina, look forward to the bowl game. Yeah, so there's some drops. Um, we mentioned DJ went 9 of 19 for 99 yards. He had a pick. I forget, Ben, was the pick like a tip drill type ball in this one that DJ threw? Um, or was it just like an no, overthrow that, that was, they that picked was, off? That was the pass over in the middle downfield on the second drive of the game uh, to Bo Collins where, I don't know, I think he just let it too far in front of him or Bo Collins the, was behind the, the defender. Um, and it looked like it was a pass right to the defender. So, um, it was a well-thrown ball. <laughs> like if, if he was wearing orange, that would look like a great pass. Um, I'm not sure if there was on some part, Bo not getting into the right position going after the ball. There was a couple times in this game where he didn't go after the ball where he could have. Um, but again, all in all, a, I don't think Clemson was going to rely on the pass too much and i know the stat line says 9 or 19 but that very well could have been 13 and 19 for 200 yards instead of 9 and 19 for 99 and take out the drops and that has been a factor all season long yeah and unfortunately in this one tight ends didn't seem to get too involved in the offense i think there were some drops associated with that and then i thought sage Ennis had a holding penalty at one point that um would have been a huge game that was negated from that so uh a little sloppy on offense here and there, a little bit understandable when, you know, Clemson with the game state that it was Clemson just dominating it on the ground. Um, this one, not really being close. Maybe the team had a little bit of lack of focus, but um, look, dominant performance overall from this offense, beating its rival that they completely outmatched and outtalented. And we'll take a 30, 30 point showing uh, from this offense because Ben, not many games this season have we seen that level of output. Exactly. And it didn't seem hard in this game either. We kind of stopped ourselves a few times, but otherwise, like... The yeah, I was going to say that, actually. The third right, points like, didn't seem difficult to get. Yeah, and I do believe that Dabo and Tony Elliott kind of called off the dogs and turtled to some extent in the play calling and the aggressiveness um, throughout this game, or really starting in the second quarter, but definitely throughout the second half. I think that's a sign of respect for Shane Beamer and not really wanting to run up the score and embarrass them. Uh, if it had been bus champ still probably would have seen more like a 56 to nothing output. Yeah. And we don't need style points at this point because we have no playoff aspirations. Uh, the bowl game that we're going to get is going to be the same, whether or not we beat them 10 to nothing, 30, to nothing or 60, nothing. Right. Agreed for sure. All right, well, uh, good coverage of the offense here, Ben. Let's flip it over to the D. Okay, Ben, on to the defense. Look, a shutout, always welcome, but against an SEC opponent, against your state rival, such an amazing performance. And this was not, I mean, there were maybe down the, down, down the stretch a couple opportunities where I was a little bit worried that they were just going to, string enough plays together to extend drives and they were going to get into field goal range and just do it. Um, I do want to say hats off to Shane Beamer for not kicking a sad field goal and pulling a Mark Richt in the Miami ACC championship game back in 2017, where Rick kicked a field goal just to not get shut out in that game. Uh, you know, South Carolina took it like men. They tried to score on that last play. Thankfully it was for not Clemson preserved the shutout. Awesome performance from the defense through and through. 
Um, I haven't even looked bad at the havoc rate numbers or the tackles for loss and sacks. It wasn't, it didn't strike me as, you know, too, too many sacks, anything like that, but a lot of hurries, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of disruption happening in the backfield. Um, but yeah, just a, just a beat down. I do agree with you uh, that Beamer not – I was thinking that when they were on that final drive. I was like, is he going to kick a field goal just to avoid the shutout? And he didn't. He, he was there to score a touchdown. He didn't think about uh, kicking a field goal at that point. His intent was to score a touchdown. And I, I mentioned earlier of uh, the reasons that I like him. Um, and I, I, that tells me a lot about his character. And as a football coach, you know, Will Muschamp would have kicked a field goal, right? Um, yep. Beamer didn't, and yeah, it's it's super respectable. And but yeah, their offense in general, I think you got the feeling very early on that it certainly could be a shutout game. They didn't have a first down to like the second quarter. Um, they had that one drive that started from the Clemson thirty-seven. Um, then they got that holding call and got pushed back, and that was really um, you know as, as close as they got right there till the end of the game. Um, great job by the defense. You're down, you know, Xavier Thomas on, on the defensive line. I thought KJ Henry came in and played really well. I thought he's had a really good season. Um, yeah. And otherwise the defense was solid. The secondary was great. Andrew Booth had yourself a game, almost three interceptions. So that was really fun to see him have such a good time. And he was one of the kids that I mentioned last time is that, uh, the reason that I think that you should be, um, proud of this team is they haven't given up and the guys that are clearly going in the NFL and, and uh, Andrew Booth is going to be a first round pick. Um, he is considered you know, continue to play his ass off all year long and seems to have had, he has fun doing it. Um, and I love his attitude in the games and I love that he came out in this one and just, just had a great one. So kudos to him. I mentioned KJ Henry, um, two other guys that I thought, um, have kind of not gotten their due this year. Uh, Rook Aroro and Edonosa Rubin at the defensive tackle positions. I see 32 and 33 in there, and they're like, like you know, they're like little twin brothers, little big twin brothers, unlike the, the Collins twins, you know. Um, but 11, they came in, I think, in the same recruiting class, and uh, to get so much playing time, they've been in the system like three years now. Brisea goes down, Tyler Davis um, you know, has some issues early on and they both played really well. And it's not only are they, uh, just kind of in there stopping the bleeding and doing what they need to do, but they're making a big impact in the game, I think. And we've got both those guys coming back next year, along with per se, we'll see what happens with Tyler Davis. Um, but I think those two guys should get a lot more appreciation than maybe we've been giving them this year, because when Tyler gets hurt, Brisse goes out for the year, you haven't really seen a drop off. Future is bright on the O-line, Ben. Um, not only those guys, I'm sorry, on the D-line. Thank you. Uh, and I'm still confident deep down that Demonte Capehart, you know, can make an impact for this Clemson defense. Oh, sure. And Trey Williams. Right. So it's, um, you know, the, the talent is, is deep. Yeah, Peyton Page, he's going to be more of an end. But um, indeed, like we are going to have some guys likely go into the NFL this year off the D-line. I hope we get Justin Foster back next year. He he had a he, little bit of a I bump. think he's I think he's done. Wouldn't be surprising. But well, this was going to be his fifth year. I know he got the I, I think he's not coming back given everything that he's had to deal with. 
we'll have to see, but yeah, that would not surprise me. Um, but again, the, the talent is deep here. Uh, I know quacking tiger talks about continuing to take more guys on the D line, you know, in this recruiting class. So we'll see what Clemson's able to pull off in the late going here, likely going to be taking more guys. Um, you've had some more announcements of guys that are going to enter the portal. Um, looks like Jake Venables is going to move on from the team, try to get at least one more year someplace else. And then he's Kane Patterson. No, no, he's ending his career. I see. Okay. So he's, there he's have, it. there's been message board stuff about that, but, um, and there was an article referenced, but when he came out and said it and Dabo mentioned it, it was, he's had so many injuries. I think hamstring injuries that he's just done with football, but King okay, Patterson, yes. Into the portal. Yeah. So another linebacker departure in Kane Patterson, we're going to have Jake Venables gone, obviously Skowski and Spectre. So a good amount of turnover at the linebacker position still have Jeremiah Trotter, Levante Bentley, Sergio Garcia, Trent Simpson, and Barrett Carter. So pretty solid talent. I think this is going to be an opportunity for potentially a transfer portal take at the linebacker position because yeah, we could go ahead and offer another true, true freshman high schooler coming in, but it's, it's really been the exception, not the rule that the, the true freshmen don't make an impact at that position early on. So um, we like the talent, but you're one to two injuries away from having a real depth issue. So uh, that is where with guys like Kane Patterson freeing up a scholarship spot, the hope would be that we would bring in a little bit of an upperclassman to be able to, you know, pad the ranks coming into next year. I think we might be better at, at linebacker than most people expect. I mean, Kane Patterson did not get a lot of playing time this year. He was a junior, so his third, his third year in the program. And I know historically freshmen haven't come in and done a long, but uh, done a lot, but um, um, Smith did last year or sorry, Simpson uh, did last year. And obviously this year in the sophomore season, um, Barrett Carter um, has had some playing time this year. And a lot of people are high on. Um, I said Sergio Garcia, Ben. I meant Sergio Trotter. Allen. Sergio Allen, yeah. Sergio Garcia, the golfer. <laughs> Look, he's got eligibility. If he wants to come in, play linebacker, I'm for it. Sergio, I, I see him as more of a place kicker. Yeah. He just adjusts a little too much. I think he would miss the play. Yeah. Yeah. Getting ready. Um, I, I think what is expected here, Ben, keep me honest on this, that Trent Simpson will move to the Mike linebacker. And then you're going to have, you're going to have Barrett Carter play that Sam linebacker position that Simpson has been playing this year. Uh, Barrett Carter will take that next year. I don't know who's going to play the will, if that's going to be Trotter or Bentley, probably be some type of a, you know, whoever, whoever gets the spot between those two guys will start at the will. Well, and the thing is you can, you can guess all you want right now, but who knows who will be on the roster next year. Um, There's going to be between now and um, after spring practice where there are going to be guys going into the transfer portal. So we have to come to expect that. So maybe some of the young freshmen have to get thrown in there. And the thing that kind of terrifies you, especially at that position, um, is what happens if you're relying on young, young linebackers and Brent Venables is not there. You know, let's say he decides to, to take a job and move on. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but, um, right. But otherwise I think I do trust him. Um, uh, Venables with young linebackers and being able to develop them quickly. Uh, Keith McGuire is a guy that I think can make an impact next year. Um, So, 
and we'll see what the freshman can do, but it's getting a little bit thin for sure. Yeah. Well, in this Who's one, ben, be the quarterback of the defense next year is the question. I think that's the big thing you're going to lose. And you almost had like, you, know, you had a quarterback and you also had Balen Speck out there on the field. Combine that with Nolan Turner in the secondary. I think that's the biggest loss is the experience and the leadership across the entire defense, not necessarily with the talent um, and guys that were plugging into those guys, uh, those positions where guys are leaving. Yeah. My hope, you know, if you're talking about kind of a, the field general sort of guy, my hope is that Trent Simpson will step into that role. Um, similar to, similar to the role that Kendall Joseph played before Skalski took it over. And then, you know, when you talk about the secondary, perhaps it's Tyler Venables, you know, we, we all touch wood that Brent and Tyler will still be around next season uh, to be able to step into those roles. Um, I'd say, you know, to expect a guy that's a true freshman right now in Bakuba to be that, that, you know, kind of captain of the seat of the back end um, with the safeties. Not really sure about that. Um, so yeah, like we'll see who the leader is. I think that's going to be, that was something that there are questions about on offense this year. And maybe that led to some of the, you know, the lackluster play. Um, we do hope again, BB is here and uh, that's, that's going to be the biggest outstanding question. I don't think you're going to be able to, effectively project for Clemson until we know whether or not Brent Venables is going to be the defensive coordinator, at least as it relates to projecting the defense, Ben. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Venables. Um, obviously want him to stay, but I don't think we see a situation where recruits start jumping ship. If he leaves or guys on the team start jumping ship, if he leaves like similar to what you saw at Oklahoma. Um, so I'm less concerned about that. Um, you know, Venables is out there recruiting now with Dabo. I think that either means um, A, he's staying, or B, he's like, yeah, Dabo, I'm probably going to leave. Let's work out this contract. But in the meantime, let's go around, talk to some of these recruits, you know, let's join each other and be like, hey, I enjoy recruiting you, getting to know you, go to Clemson um, and have yourself a career. Um, wish you the best of luck. And I think that's very much, I mean, they have that relationship. I know Dabo wants to see Venables succeed. Um, so, it's it's gonna suck, but I think the dab will make a great hire. We'll, we still have good defensive uh, coaches on the football team, um, and we've got a lot of really great kids and talent. So, um, you know, Dabo has us in a really good spot to lose a coach like that. In my opinion. yeah, just look. I agree with you. Like looking at the talent that is on this team that will be here to come back again. You know provided Brent Venables does leave and provided we don't see a slew of players then freaking out and exiting. I think Dabo number one is going to be able to either promote a very deserving assistant coach from the existing defensive ranks on this team. Mike Reed, Todd Bates, either of those two guys, I think would do a, a fine job in that role. Probably not scheme guys, but at least from like the defensive CEO perspective, I think they could, they could do a great job and they're crushing it in recruiting and always have. Um, you might need to figure out some things in terms of calling defensive scheme and that sort of thing. Maybe you do bring in some new blood in that regard. Um, you obviously do need to figure out a linebackers coach in that instance. Uh, but I think you're right. Just from a, you know, providing there's not an exodus of talent and we could keep the current recruits kind of locked into coming to Clemson. It's going to be an attractive job for if we do want to go outside and recruit like a big name defensive coordinator to come in uh, probably a top three 
team like program in, in the country to come to in terms of being a good a defensive coach where you can succeed and play for championships. Exactly. Well, and obviously all- the, the biggest salary too, right? Like best paid yeah. defensive coordinator. Well, and it's also all about the culture. You look at the teams that do pretty well with coaching changes and not losing guys. Clemson does a good job of that um, uh, just because of the culture. And that's why I'm not too concerned about it with Brent. Uh, it should Brent leave or Tony Elliott leaves. Um, Notre Dame's a program like that. Like Brian Kelly's gone, but I imagine, I mean, I would think Notre Dame is like a family that's bigger and a tradition that's kind of bigger than that. Kids that go there are bought into to what it means to play at Notre Dame. Um, but then you got teams like Oklahoma, right? Where kids are just going to jump ship, Florida kids will jump ship. Um, not the same type of culture there. Um, uh, Alabama's very similar, uh, to, I guess, Clemson and Notre Dame and that, well, at least with, that's just eliteness, you know, that's, that's greatness. Yeah. A coach leaves Alabama, becomes a head coach somewhere else. You, you stay at Alabama because they're going to put you in the NFL. Um, so that's kind of a different level above everything, but, um, I think there is a a stark contrast between the two and that leaves me feeling like we're in pretty good shape. Well, uh, should any movement come to pass, we will probably jump back on a podcast, do an emergency show. Um, I think we are all hoping that, I mean, we, Brent Venables deserves to do whatever he wants. And I think Clemson fans probably you're going to understand. I don't think there's going to be the same level of kind of animosity and vitriol that you see with Oklahoma fans and Lincoln Riley, because there's a, there's a big difference, but you know, Brent Venables, we're we're lucky he stayed this long. He's turned down opportunities. We know Elliot has turned down opportunities. Um, Venables, what turned down Auburn and Elliot turned down Tennessee. I mean, that's, I mean, they're not like the top of the top in the SEC, but Tennessee has history, has a huge fan, ga- uh, fan base, huge support. Same with Auburn. Both teams can reach national uh, championship level caliber, and they've turned those jobs down. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it says a lot about the culture at Clemson and also about um, the character of those guys. We need to – they, they could both be gone this year. It's actually probably more likely than not. But we should take the time to reflect and just kind of appreciate what they've done. And also at the same time, not be, you know, get too down that we're losing them. Just trust Dabba to go out there and replace them with really great hires. Because like you mentioned, they're both top-notch jobs right now. Pay really well, low cost of living, great fan base, great um, football atmosphere in Clemson. It's where you want to be. I think it's going to be one of those cases where we all feel like the party might be over. I mean, that's going to be... I think the media prematurely claimed Clemson's run was completely over during this season uh, here, which I disagree with. Um, But I think you're going to see a lot more of that coming out if Brent Venables should leave. Uh, But then I, and I think it's going to be natural for Clemson fans to feel that way. And like, you know, we'll, we'll get through it in the off season and all that. But um, I think just with culture Dabo set his track record with hiring the talent that is both on this program's roster and coming in in the recruiting classes, the schedule we're going to play in the next few years. Like all of these reasons, I feel like still this is an attractive job for Dabo to go and hire an elite candidate. And I think we ultimately will be fine. This might be one of those cases where we're, it's like much ado about nothing and we're afraid. Um, whereas I think the opposite was true coming into this season. Like, I think we probably a little more you were talking about how annoyed we were going to be at playing a cupcake schedule again. Like there's been moments where Clemson fans have been almost a little bit too. It was definitely me. 
complacent. Yeah, like a little bit too just like assumptive that we we're just gonna run the table and kind of clean house. And um, I think I this will be an opposite that. scenario where it'll be, uh, this is gonna be a disaster and like the run is over. Like, look around. The well, team is still stacked with talent, you know? Change always happens, right? It's gonna happen no matter what. Um, we hate what we see going on in college football right now. Um, with the with the NIL and the transfer portal and all these coaches flying all over the place. Um, but you I mean, gotta look at, you got to look on the good yeah. side of that stuff, right? And like changes is inevitably going to happen. So you got to figure out how to make the best of it. My positive view is that what I've seen from Dab in the past, how good of a job I think it is in the culture we have at Clemson, is that he will replace those guys with high-level talents and people that we're going to be excited about. And of course, like, they may not stick. It may not work out, but like, I'm going to take the evidence we have and not dwell on the negatives and just look forward to, to next season. It's, it's exciting. I think. Well, and what do we think was going to happen? Like these guys would, who are absolutely capable of getting, you know, a, a top five job, they're going to say no, just to stay at Clemson forever. Like I could see Brent Venables being like, I don't want, I don't want to deal with the circus. I don't want to deal with all the CEO stuff. And you know, the pressure and all those kind of things. He wouldn't come out and talk about the pressure, but you know, it may not be for him. He wants to coach ball. He wants to recruit a little bit and like love where he is. Bloom where he's planted to quote Dabo. You know, he, he really does love the upstate of South Carolina and um, carving out, you know, a good niche for him and his family there. Like he may stick around, uh, but I don't think it's reasonable for Clemson fans to think that he would just stay forever. And, um, and so, so therefore change is inevitable, right? Change happens. We got to get yeah. used to it and make the best of it and look on the bright side. I agree. Well, uh, we have covered quite a lot of ground here in this episode, Ben. Somewhere in there was the South Carolina recap. Uh, wonderful win. Some big BC Potter kicks in there also. Uh, Clemson's next game is going to be a bowl game. We don't know the destination yet. We will probably find that, or we will find that out this coming weekend after rivalry games play. They're going to finish the draw for that. We've talked a little bit about it offline, Ben, where it would have been great to finish the regular season ranked ahead of NC State. We haven't talked about that game. Thankfully, it didn't come down to whether or not we got into the ACC championship game with that North Carolina NC State game because. Wake took, took care of business against BC. That, th- that one was not even close. Uh, but what a sh- show from NC from UNC, rather, blowing that game. Um, we now are ranked one position behind them in the college football playoff rankings. I don't know if that's going to cost us a better bowl game or not. We will have to see. But um, looking forward to seeing what our draw is. My hope is that we do get uh, – for some reason, I just don't want like a middling Big 12 team. I, I, I'm hoping for somebody else, but – Someone new, some program we haven't faced off against in a while or really ever. I'm down for that more than like, let's play Auburn again. Well, a middling Big 12 team, Iowa State, is technically new and somebody I don't think we've played ever. Um, yeah. And I'll guess I'll, I'll come around to that. Let's put it that way. Like, I'd be, I'd be fine with that ultimately. It well, just, just doesn't have sex I, appeal. Well, it does if we go in there and beat them like our their brains. And again, we can't like, we ask for sex appeal, but. You know, there's been very little of that in the wins that we've had this season. Yeah, so, so it's like, do we deserve it? Yeah, yeah or so just like going to a bowl game against another team that's hyped up to be at a bowl game, um, and if we beat them, like, soundly, then I don't care who it is. Like, 
I'm looking forward to this. Like I got to go on a vacation this weekend. Um, well, we got I, I, extra week of recruiting, right? Like Dabo and Brent Venables yeah. and Spiller and Tony Elliott. They're all out on the trail. Mike Reed too. Um, that's helpful. You know, otherwise it'd be game planning for Pitt or somebody else. All right, Ben. Well, invariably there will be news coming out. We will get back on the podcast to re- recap it, cover it, give our opinions. Um, hoping it's a lot of great signings, not a lot of coach departures and, you know, all good things for Clemson. We definitely want to profile the bowl game coming up. Might even slip in a couple of interviews here. Uh, Quacking Tiger is probably overdue to come on and talk about the recruiting class. So uh, plenty to cover here in Clemson football land. It's been a season, Ben. Um, lot, lot to cover off on, a lot of emotion, highs and lows. Uh, but ultimately, you come away with it feeling good as a Clemson fan with what you saw from the team. They stuck, stuck with it, hung in there, improved despite it really being the walking wounded. So uh, yeah, you got to be proud as a Clemson fan. And, you know, we love this team. We love this sport. One more game left, one more week of regular season stuff, plus the army Navy game next weekend. So um, enjoy it. I, I think championship weekend should be pretty fun. There's a lot of movement could still happen in that playoff CFP four Ben. Uh, who do you think, how do you think the dust is going to settle there? I think Georgia is going to, man, I don't know. This is a hard one. Georgia should soundly beat Alabama uh, this Saturday in the SEC championship game, just based on how both teams are playing and the eye test, what you've seen out of both all year long. Um, but we haven't seen Kirby smart pull a Kirby smart yet this year. So it's, well, I haven't possible. seen him beat Nick Saban with in in spots a more talented better better football team so i think if and i do think georgia's offense is somewhat underrated they're not obviously georgia defense is like the talk of college football we'll see um we'll see i I, georgia really hasn't played anybody we joked about it in a, a past episode we are their best win and um you know this is clemson's worst team in about seven years so you know, again, I think Alabama is better than Clemson this year and probably will be Georgia's best game. So if we played Georgia that close, like what could Alabama do? Alabama's it's be not going to score. Alabama's not going to be able to score on Georgia. That's where they're going to struggle. Um, yeah. And I don't think Georgia's going to score a ton of points, but I think it's possible, you know, feasible that they get in the 30s. Um, but unless, again, unless like, Georgia lays an egg, they should handle them, is right. my thought. Like, Alabama is not what we've seen. All the, the top teams, like Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, I, you know, I kind of grouped them together, and maybe Oklahoma, since those are the teams that have uh, been in the playoff uh, the most during the uh, CFP era. It's, it's, not, it's, not the, it's not what you're used to. And, I, you know, we talked a little bit at coming into this year about those three programs – turn it like they had the least amount of returning talent and you're starting to see some of that like just depth issues bama's had injuries ohio state has to a lesser extent i think their issue is just their defense period and this is not to take away from georgia like georgia has recruited well on a kirby smart they they have improved they've shown flashes and they've put it all together this year and they've worked the portal too ben in a way that with a volume that alabama has not and ohio state has not I think a lot of people are ready to anoint Georgia the national champions. I agree with you. I think they do handle Alabama enough so that Bam. I don't think Bama is going to make the playoff. I think Bama is going to drop out. I totally agree with you. 
Um, But Georgia also doesn't feel like an Alabama at their prime. Right. And what I wanted to say, Ben, is the type of team that I think can challenge Georgia is not a team with an explosive, high-powered offense like we thought Ohio State was going to be and that they rounded into form. I think Georgia is going to struggle against a team with an elite defense because we saw it when they played Clemson and teams that are left that can challenge them. Like there are teams in that top in in the running here that are defense first identity teams with arguably better offenses than Clemson had this year in the form of Michigan, Oklahoma state's got a really good defense, believe it or not, Cincinnati, um, not really Notre Dame. And look, I, who knows what goes on with Notre Dame here? Like if Alabama does drop out and um, let's say Oklahoma state loses. Yeah. You could see it being what Georgia, Michigan, um, Cincinnati and Notre Dame, like that could happen. Um, certainly would be worried with Brian Kelly leaving his team, making the playoff. It would be odd because I feel like there would kind of be like a public favorite team. Uh, for people that don't care for Brian Kelly too much. But anyway, my larger point, Ben, was that I think you are going to have teams with really solid defensive identities that could challenge that Georgia offense and, you know, keep that into a low scoring game. And then Kirby is not exactly the strongest in-game coach, you know, in terms of making the right adjustments and stuff. I don't know that Jim Harbaugh is either or Mike Gundy or Luke Fickles. So uh, could be an exciting playoff where we're not really sure. Like there seems to be a clear number one team, uh, but I don't. I don't know that it's going to play out necessarily as people think. Well, and here's the thing that we haven't talked about: What if Lanning takes the job at Oklahoma? He's rumored for that job, and he makes that move before the playoffs because he wants to get a jump start in recruiting and the transition of Oklahoma to the SEC. Uh, we've seen that happen at Alabama in years past. Kiffin. Uh, ahead of uh, what our 16 game mm-hmm. um so many factors that's what i'm saying that's what yeah it's it's a wild time like yeah it is yeah. but that kind of makes it fun it's all gonna the dust is gonna settle everything's gonna kind of even out and we're gonna get used to all this and um the the good part of the change will will rise to the top and but uh oh, i'm loving it ben yeah and the, 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 the slights the and chaos. the memes oh you love the chaos the, the memes flying around Lincoln Riley news was a huge bombshell and then the Brian Kelly stuff too. Um, it's just been an all time week of college football, especially with the Michigan upset of Ohio state. Like Saturday, our game was the cherry on top, but what a great weekend of football it was. Uh, and you, you even had, you know, the egg bowl and then you had Friday games, which were exciting. Uh, it's, it's a great time to be a college football fan. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of movement uh, within the top uh, four in the college football playoff and uh, lo and behold, right, like people is, yeah. is making their way up the rankings. Yeah. Michigan's up top, man. It's like, oh, damn, who do I, who do I go for between a Harbaugh, you know, Jim Harbaugh and an sec team, like Alabama, just like Alabama is a team. I'm like, if somebody has to win, make it Nick Saban in Alabama, they've already, <laughs> they're already there. Like I don't get mad when Tom Brady wins Super Bowls anymore. I just sit back and marvel at it, you know? Um, right. I think Cincinnati winning would be incredible. I think Notre Dame winning with Brian Kelly leaving would also be one of the funniest things ever. That would be an amazing Um, story. And talk about the national media, um, you know, creating so much drama around Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame and going to LSU. Like if you talk to Notre Dame fans, ones that actually pay attention and are invested in the program, they're fine with Kelly leaving. Like they're like, great. Let's, 
promote Freeman. They all want to promote Freeman, their defensive coordinator, into the head coaching position. And it's looking like that is likely what's going to happen. So right. um, that, that's interesting around that position. The, the Oklahoma. We play players, them next year, Ben, too. Like, just as a heads up. Yeah. We get yeah. Notre Dame on, in our non-conference. Yeah. Yep. Uh, DJ back in the place where we all decided that, yeah, he's a good quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he needs the magic. Anyway, it's going to be a really exciting, like more coaching carousel stuff's going to happen. Uh, guys are going to get hired into these jobs. They're going to vacate jobs. That's going to open up opportunities for secondary coaches to move around. Um, we're going to have the playoffs going to be exciting. So I don't know, buckle in. It's going to be an exciting next like five, six weeks. I think Cincinnati's definitely in all they have. To, I mean, they need to win, but I think it sucks though, Ben. Cause like, if, I don't know if you remember this, the first year of the playoff TCU was in a similar spot, just win your game. They won it handily and they got jumped by Ohio state who eventually won the natty that year. Like I, I'm not trusting Cincinnati's in until I see that Bearcat C show up. And so here's the scenario, right? Um, Alabama beats Georgia, meaning both Georgia and Alabama are in. Michigan wins against Iowa, so they're definitely in. Then it comes yep. down to Cincinnati beating, what, Houston versus Oklahoma State beating Baylor. Does that jump Oklahoma State over Cincinnati? It very well could possibly happen now that I've agreed. Yeah, Notre Dame, exactly. Notre Dame does not move up in that scenario because they don't play anybody. Cause they're not in the conference. Yeah, they, they don't play and they lost to Cincinnati and the committee yep. has already this week talked about Brian Kelly and like coaching presence protocol, blah, 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 impacting a team's worthiness for the playoff. So I think Notre Dame more so needs Bama to lose horribly and then Michigan to lose horribly and probably Oklahoma state to lose like Notre Dame needs two, possibly three of the teams ahead of them to drop out, to move up. That's obvious based on their ranking, but um, it's not impossible then, you know, Houston, Baylor, Iowa, like those teams could definitely do it. I, I think for Notre Dame to get in though, they need Bama out of there. Yeah. For Notre Dame to get in, they need Oklahoma state to lose, Cincy to lose and Bama to lose. Right. Yeah. I think if Bama and Cincy lose, they're out of the playoff consideration unless Bama loses close, but that'll just be super annoying. Um, yeah. Just depends, but it's going to be fun. Be yeah. Fun I would watch. say I, I think I trust like the most likely teams that are going to lose and get upset here. I would say Oklahoma state would be number one, probably Cincinnati two, Michigan three in terms of like likelihood of those teams go down. And I also, I think Bama's going to lose. They're probably one of the most likely losses. Listen, sometimes it's nice to be on the outside looking in and just being able to enjoy this. I know that yeah. we've been disappointed this year because Clemson is not going to be in the playoff, and we knew that pretty much from very early on in the season. But it's been a very exciting college football season, so don't take that for granted. Yeah, we're not headed for the playoffs this year, but like appreciate the fact that it's fun. It's been a fun season. It's been the first full season back after the, the COVID year, um, and – it hasn't disappointed. Agreed. Fully. Yeah, we love this sport. And this is a crazy season with coaching carousel stuff and bulls coming up and all that. So um gonna try to cherish these last six weeks. And it is a year-round sport, Ben, with a lot of transfer portal news and coaching changes. And 
recruiting and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, it's really all about the games. So uh, really looking forward to taking that all in this Saturday. Might even go hang out and watch the SEC title game with Dozer. We'll see. What? Where does he live? <laughs> Lives in Texas, but he's visiting the Bay this weekend. Nice. Might hang out with Dozer. Nice. We'll see. Uh, Cody, still MIA. We might remove his name from the letterhead of the podcast. We'll have to see if he earns his way back in the offseason. But, uh, Ben, it's been a really fun season doing this show with you. Our seventh year. Is it our seventh year? Did we decide that? 15 was the first year. Yeah, so seven. And, you know, it's been different, unique, still fun. We love this team. We appreciate our listeners that have been down since day one and those that have come along the way, too. We will have more shows coming up as we referenced earlier. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us this far into the show. You know where to find us on social media on the web. Please tell a friend about the show. It's the best way for people to find out about us. Uh, please spread the word. We appreciate it. Let's go get this bowl win. Brent Venables, please stay at Clemson. And as always, go Tigers. just going to look up when the last game was i think it was november 30 south carolina 2013 i'm going to say how many days it's been since they last beat clemson um between two dates all right november 30 2013 that was the 11 30 2013 and today is 12 1 one twenty twenty one. Calculate two thousand nine hundred and twenty three days. <laughs> All right, so do that. Be like it's two thousand nine hundred twenty three yeah. days since South Carolina last beat Clemson, um, and then Shane, Shane Beamer's zero and one. You should yeah. also do like and three hundred seventy days since they scored a point. Ooh, yeah. Okay, 29-23. Let me ping this in the Zoom chat just so I don't lose it. Well, they didn't score a point last year because we didn't even fucking play. Oh, so. yeah, so you got to do two years ago. <laughs> That's even better. It's like 700-something. even better. Yeah, <laughs> they scored three points uh, two years ago, November 30, 2019. So, <laughs> uh, Okay. 732 days then do a touch and i can do a touchdown yeah oh yeah Yeah, it's like a thousand (laughs) exactly all right this is so good (laughs) okay now let me do 2018 was it 2018 they scored a touchdown they did they scored 35 points all right that was november 24th 2018 okay cool 2018 oh this is so brilliant 1103 days for a touchdown (laughs) 